Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of MA Architects Make It Innovative, featuring deep dive discussions on the world of innovation as it relates to the built environment. Today, we will be taking a deep dive into understanding Generation Z, a promising generation marked with resilience and creativity. Specifically, we're going to understand what drives Generation Z, or Gen Z, which is also called Generation Now, as well as gain perspective about how older generations can best understand this group. For those of you that don't know, Gen Z was born between 1997 and 2012, which means they're between the ages of 8 to 23 today. A lot of people hear Gen Z, and I think they think of the future and generation to come, but it's actually the generation entering the workforce right now. It really makes me feel washed up when I think of myself as a millennial, but it's crazy to think my generation is now mid-30s, home buyers that are starting families and settling down. I think that's a really common misperception that the millennials are still the babies in the workforce. It's actually Gen Z that are now entering. So let's keep that in mind as we have this conversation. It's safe to say that time moves fast, but the latest and greatest things now move faster than ever before. If you don't know what Visco filters are or who Charlie D'Amelio is, we didn't either until we researched for this podcast. It's a photo filter and she's a TikTok celebrity, but that's not why we're here today. Today we're here so you can understand this generation, how to work with them and get them to help work with you. By learning and leaning in, you have a greater chance for effective communication and strong relationships with the generation that is taking over already. They are definitely taking over. It's true that most trending things are driven by none other than Gen Z. And on top of that, 36% of the workforce is already made up of Gen Z. This generation is already driving how we can work differently and how businesses are setting up their experiences. They expect upfront honesty and transparency in order to gain trust in both arenas. I am already so fascinated and inspired by all the creativity and passion wrapped up in this generation. What interests me the most, though, I think, from a behavioral psychology perspective is their resiliency and their fearlessness. This generation has grown up through so much already, if you think about it, including this post-9-11 world and the events of 2020 hitting them in a time when they're really trying to move into independence and self-stability, and they've definitely dealt with emotional scarring. It's important to recognize that With all these shifts in societies and the influences of digital culture and the lasting effects they'll have on the behaviors of the working world's dominant demographic. We want to explore Generation Z and some pointed questions to help ourselves and you, our listeners, truly grasp what it is that drives this generation. That being said, there's no better way to truly understand this generation than to pick the brains within it. So here to join us today is Avery Dixon, our communications intern at MA Architects. So proud and happy to have her on. Welcome on, Avery. Thank you. So excited. I'm really excited, too, to share that Avery, in the true spirit of MA's Research and Innovation Drive, has conducted a survey with some of her peers from Ohio State University, and she's going to be reporting today on her findings. So a representation of a greater population of Gen Z to really give you a firm overview of what that generation values, what their drivers are, and how to work best with them. But before we start bombarding Avery with all of our burning questions, we'll share some research to categorize and help paint an even clearer picture about this generation. You know I love a good statistic, Sam. You? Never. (laughs) I know. They're wonderful, though. (laughs) So buckle up. Here we go. So just so you all know, 85% of Generation Z believes that their choices determine their future and aren't wasting any time about it. It's clear from social injustice movements and their response to COVID, with 75% of Gen Z saying the virus has had a major impact on their worldview, and 68% said the same thing about Black Lives Matter. 
And that's an increase of 21% in importance from just three months prior to everything starting to hit and happen. This is why this group is out there marching, which in previous generations we were seeing it in much older adults. This is why they're being called Generation Now. And also prior to the pandemic, this group was becoming more interested in artifacts from the past. Part of them were even becoming a subsector called the Neo Analog Group, which were responsible for collecting and collections of memorabilia that drove desire for even nostalgia. Can you give me an example of that, Mark? Yes. So we were seeing uh, some groups actually create uh, clubs around using um, disposable cameras. And so they were using old tech in order to create new means of media and art form. And they were playing games in real life versus on their phones. Oh, I love that. It's like back to basics. What, what's old is new. Exactly. You know, we keep talking about the values reset, and it, it really resonates with this generation. Oh, if that doesn't give everybody so much hope. And I feel like, too, from some of our ethnographic research that we've done here at the firm, a lot of them are really, of this generation, are really being drawn to vintage curated shops and more sustainable places that are sourcing local foods and things like that. So it's, it's pretty interesting to think that it's almost reverting back to the way things were before we complicated it so much with technology and fast-paced life and all of the things of 2020. So it's, it's really refreshing to think that this generation values substance and, and things that are possibly more grounding. I agree. And it also makes sense because this is the generation of social connection. They are deeply in need of it. They love it. Um, what's surprising is that before the pandemic, this was the generation saying, I could work from home 100%. And we sent out our work from home survey, right. and this generation reported that's not working for them. They actually want to be in the office because they want to get back and be in contact with other people. That's so interesting, especially because as humans, emotions and traits that are highly attributed to this generation in particular specifically are pride, compassion, frustration, humor, and vulnerability. And I think that it's a really interesting juxtaposition of some of those words to think that they all coexist. But the frustration, I think, in particular, we've seen this generation, you know, this year we had more voters than ever before in history. I think that's something to be so proud of, that people are really stepping up and stepping in and standing up for what's right or what they believe in. Um, it's really inspiring. I agree. And I think it's paramount that we spend time to understand these underlying emotions and traits in order to better relate and cater to Gen Z. Right. And this doesn't mean that only the oldest generation in the workforce should be all ears. So for my fellow millennials, even if we feel a little washed up right now, I need you to listen up, okay? Recent research indicates that Gen Z doesn't ever want to be grouped with millennials. I mean, who wouldn't want to be grouped with the best generation? But okay, only kidding, but it is true. While Gen Z and millennials are considered young, they are two distinct consumer groups with their own behaviors, beliefs, and emotional drivers. And brands have a duty to stay abreast about the changing demands of consumers and to understand their evolution. You know, it's really incredible to think about how generations can be so different. Yet it's amazing to see what can be done when all generations in the workforce put their heads together to produce innovative places, projects, services. I mean, you really name it. When they come together, collaboration is where the magic happens. Oh, I love it. And I love that we get to really welcome on Avery. Officially, I can't wait any longer. So with much excitement and a ton of pride, we are welcoming on our marketing communications intern Avery on the show today. Welcome again. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> so Avery is really our freshest face here at FA Architects, tackling a communications intern role, all while pursuing a degree in strategic communications at The Ohio State University. Yes. 
the. Avery is Columbus born and bred and has had so much pride for this city. She's the third generation to pass through high school at Bishop Watterson. Go Eagles. And currently Avery is studying strategic communications in the School of Communications at the Ohio State University, as Mark mentioned. On the side, Avery dabbles in her newly created blog called Lessons and Letters, which is currently undergoing a brand refresh. Avery has a passion for all things positivity, vulnerability, and personal growth, which are the backbone of her blog. And now, like we said, Avery is our freshest face here at MA. All right, Avery, to know you is to love you. We are getting ready for our rapid-fire questions to let our listeners in a little bit more about who you are as a person. Are you ready? Let's go. Yes. You guys, your first taste of Gen Z. All right. What is the coolest thing you are learning in school right now? That's a good question. Uh, Right now in my organizational communications class, we're learning about design thinking and how the first step of design thinking is empathy, which I think is crazy that that has to be the first thing we have to dive into before even stepping into the world of design thinking. Yeah, it's really interesting because as designers, you really are storytellers. And so that's where I think storytelling, communication really overlap together to create new spaces and new ideas. Oh, I love that. We should do a whole podcast on just design thinking. Yeah. All right. If you were to create a time capsule today, what three things would you put inside? I am a huge fan of home movies. So definitely a home movie from when I was little, a letter to whoever opens it and maybe a t-shirt. So someone could say they have a vintage tea. When they open it. Vintage, right? <laughs> right? I'm going to open that time. Self-generating <laughs> vintage. All right, Avery, what is your best habit? Okay, I wouldn't say it's my best, but what I'm working on right now is the seven-second rule. It's kind of like the five-second rule, but for listening to other people. Um, I mean, sometimes you're talking to people, and they're going on a rant, and sometimes it's good for people just to vent it all out. And you kind of want to interject and be like, oh, well, here's my take on it. Here's my advice. But... If they're talking, give them seven seconds after they stop, and most likely they're either going to finish up what they're saying or they want you to interject. So that's something I've been trying to work on, the seven-second rule. I love that. When yeah. you said the five-second rule, I was like, does that have to do with food, food on the, the ground? <laughs> <laughs> this is much deeper, much cooler. And Jeez. I thought it was a ten-second rule. I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're learning yeah. so much. <laughs> I am amazing. You are such a cool human being, Avery. I'm really excited for this conversation. And college is said to be some of the best four years of your life. Mark and I are curious, how have you adjusted to college life due to the nature of the pandemic? And how does life look different for you and your peers? What, what does it look like to be a student in 2020? So I think the obvious answer right now is that we are online. And a lot of people my age have been calling it Zoom University, which I think <laughs> is so funny. But it's true. We've been getting super creative with Zoom. But there's still an ever-present desire for in-person interaction, like Mark was saying. And yes, a lot of people are saying, oh, work from home might become a more desired option for some. But I think for a lot, there's still that craving and that um, desire for interaction with people in person. But also, I think that something that I've adjusted to since the pandemic and a lot of my peers is a refined purpose. And what I mean by that is at the beginning of quarantine, I remember seeing a quote, I think it was on Instagram, it was like, you can either come out of this pandemic with a new skill or having learned nothing. And I took that to heart. I ran with it. And I think a lot of my peers did too. I saw so many people venture into new things, like could be something like knitting or Mm -hmm. um, creating a new blog or venturing into makeup. It doesn't matter. I've seen so many cool things that have come out of this. And I think a lot of people had time to really stop and think about what was most important to them. And with that extra time, they had they didn't just sit around and I think a lot of them um, really took that to heart and 
created these amazing things. Mindfulness, you know, we talked about it on some of our previous podcasts where mental health, you know, crafting is something that actually helps calm the central nervous system. So it's glad to see that that's resonating with that generation too. Yes. And I think another thing too, um, I saw a lot of my peers with this extra time trying to reach out and find a mentor. I mean, I did. I found Sam. Look, look at here. It's so fun. But I think that was a huge thing for people. They wanted someone to help them guide them through this really tough time. I mean, who would have expected we'd be here right now? And I think a lot of my peers, I know for me especially, I've gravitated towards looking up to other people and getting their insight and advice on whatnot. I love that. And I think that mentorship, oftentimes it feels like it's from the top down and it's so much more beneficial if you think about it as a two-way stream. And there are so many things already that I've learned from you and I feel like hopefully you've learned from me. And especially with different generations, I mean, a multi-generational cross-collaboration lifestyle is so beneficial because you're really learning from people who have, you know, a legacy of experience and then people who have a fresh mind. And I think the collaboration of the two is when creativity and innovation is really unleashed. So it's so cool to think that, you know, your generation is really seeking out those mentors and really, really starting to articulate and foster those relationships. So what are some of the things you've learned about yourself and about life through this time that you hope to bring forth with you to shape the way you approach things moving forward? That's a great question. So I've learned that fear is a really big emotion and that it drives a lot of people to do to make decisions. And Sam, I know that you know that as being a behavioral psychology guru, Love but <laughs> I, especially during the pandemic, I saw how fear just dictated people's lives. I mean, you'd walk into the grocery and things would be swept off and even the bad kinds of toilet paper that no one used for me got. <laughs> and, um, I saw that it just, it was a huge fear, but I learned that love is an even bigger fear. And I know it's only 8 a.m. and that's super deep, but it's true. I love it. Because I remember like the grocery store and feeling super nervous and um, just really confused by what was happening. But I also remember my mom's birthday celebration, drive-bys happening and dropping goodie bags off to people's houses. And I think that um, to answer your question straight on, the biggest lesson I learned is that in quotes, the greatest emotion is love love that and I think that especially this year with Black Lives Matter you know lead with love became a huge thing and love wins was always a really big thing with the LBGTQIA community and I think that it is so important to think that um, Tank's Good News is a really great Instagram to follow and just last night I saw one and it was a third grade class and this little boy in the class his house had burned down from a fire and he walked into school the next time he came back to school and all the kids said surprise and they all had bought him toys and it was yes an initiative driven by the students you know at third grade to recognize and have that level of empathy that we were talking about gives me so much hope for future generations and it was so inspiring to think that love always does win you know and and that's the best thing you can do no matter what no matter where you are is to think to lead, lead with love and you know only good things can come from that. So the fact that that's like your big key takeaway from the pandemic makes it such a pivotal moment. And obviously you garnered a huge skill that you'll take forward with you. So you hit your Instagram (laughs) quote goal for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, it's one thing we always keep talking about the bad things that happened in 2020. And I think there's also good that's going to come from 2022. You know, and we had our trend forecasting event last year where we were forecasting for 2023 choiceful positivity to be a trend that's happening in three years from now, and it's been accelerated by the pandemic. And so what you're talking about is just that, you know, from your choice to recognize that love is greater than fear, and then from, you know, students showing teachers, like, how they should be caring for their fellow um, 
students as well too. So just that choice to be positive versus to be negative about things. Absolutely. I feel like it's so surreal. Sometimes Mark and I are like, Mark, you need a crystal ball. So many things he predicted last year in the Futurist Foresight you know, for 2023, we've said this, and we'll say it again, COVID was the catalyst for change. It did not bring new trends. It accelerated expected trends that were already forecasted. So the fact that, you know, you you even anticipated the fear factor, we're calling mm-hmm. it, and this idea that fear is a, a consumer sentiment that will drive behavior, which was exactly your point, Avery. So it's crazy to think in 2019, Mark was like, here are the things that are going to happen. They just happened way earlier than we anticipated because the pandemic really pulled out a lot more than anyone anticipated from all of us humans this year, you know? And I think that a lot of people say that, you know, stressful times bring out the worst in people, but I think it really brings out the truth in people. And I think that's your opportunity to show up as the person that you want to be, your highest version of yourself. You Such know, a good point. Really show up as that person. And when you grow into those moments, you know, that's when character is developed. So it's such an amazing opportunity this year. And the year is not over. So, you know, if someone is feeling down, especially, you know, this time and things are changing, there's still, it's always a time that you can start over. Yep. And speaking of learning about yourself, I want to dive back into something that you talked about. You mentioned mentorship. And so I think it's interesting that you mentioned mentorship um, and how it's become important to you as a college student. A Robert Half study reported that 21% of Generation Z values a mentoring ability in a leader. Another report that I read actually said that Gen Z are more likely to stay with the company two to three years more if they actually have a mentor, which it doesn't surprise me as I see Generation Z as a generation who craves rich learning experiences and desires advancement. But they also want to feel valued like we all do. And so I think having someone work with them you know, makes them feel that value, makes them want to stay. So Avery, in your honest opinion, what do you think you and your peers are, are looking for in a leader? Great question. So first, I saw a quote and it said, instead of looking for someone to motivate us, we look for someone to inspire us. And before I get into what I and my peers consider an inspiring leader, I want to debunk this technology lie that leaders that are older than generation have to be so tech savvy. And I know that we're all about the TikTok and I swear, I think half of my peers know how to code and I don't, but it's just, (laughs) it's so neat. They're so tech savvy, but I want to debunk this lie that you have to be so tech savvy and know everything about um, the latest and greatest technology advancement. Um, So going off of that, an inspiring leader today, number one, looks like a leader who is vulnerable. Specifically, since the pandemic, Mark said there's been a need more than ever for intimate social interaction. And I think it's important for C-suite executives and business leaders to be reminded that we see the best and glamorous parts of you. We see you on um, the newspaper. We see you like in the headlines. We see your LinkedIn. And it's the best and glamorous parts of you. But we also want to know that you're human and you make mistakes, too. We want those really vulnerable parts of you because I think... Sam said it, our generation is super vulnerable and we'd love to see that from the older generations as well. Wow. Yes. How old are you again? I know. (laughs) Gosh, Gen Z is going to take over the world. I'm like, you guys are way better. Bring it on. (laughs) Secondly, we would love a leader who is accessible. And I'm not, do you guys know the term ghosting? Yes. I do. Yes. She just asked if we were old, by the way. (laughs) No. Right. Oh, no, but we should probably let our listeners in just in case. Yeah. So, for example, ghosting, if let's say Mark and I were talking and he was like, oh, I texted Sam and she texted me back and we were talking, we're in good conversation. And then she hasn't replied to me in two months. 
And I'd be like, wow, she ghosted you. <laughs> and so now we all know. I hope none yes, of you have been ghosted, but it happens yes. to the best of us. <laughs> but that term has been used in between my peers and I. However, I heard it so many times since the pandemic in relation to being ghosted by companies and mm. other huh. mentors they look up to which is super disheartening. And it's not just me who thinks that. Um, I conducted some ethnographic research and when asked what trait is most important to you, 70% of my peers said that accessibility is the most important trait to them. Hmm. Interesting. So interesting. Yes. Access to be able to get to the leadership so you can just have a conversation, you know, just get new information and, and figure out what you need to do. Right. And I was talking to some people, some of my peers, and a lot of them described it as they just expect that they're not going to hear back anymore, and they're that discouraged. And absolutely, I understand the nature of what's happening today. The last thing a lot of business leaders are thinking about right now is hiring an intern or reaching out to reaching back out to somebody who reached out to them. But this is your future generation and your future workforce, and they really do want to be motivated and inspired right now. Uh, third, we want a leader who is energized on purpose, specifically energized by fresh faces and ideas. And to go on and explain that, we don't want to prove ourselves. And I know that can be tricky because, of course, companies take big bets on their interns and their new hires. However, we come in with these new ideas and a lot of fresh ideas, but having to jump through loopholes kind of makes us mold to whatever the company standard is and therefore we can't bring our outside perspective if that makes sense break the bureaucracy basically mm -hmm. make it more democratic it sounds like right a lot of leaders might think oh like okay i have to learn the new tiktok app and i have to do this in order to attract gen z like by being technology savvy but that's not all true while we're innovators and creators and technology savvy, at the end of the day, we create that real human interaction, which comes with being vulnerable, becoming accessible, and being energized on purpose. I love that. those three key points. Yeah, I mean, it basically is coming back to just going back to basics, you know, making sure that you have a good communication plan, making sure that you understand where they're coming from, and just listening. You know, it's like the basic human skill set that we all learn when we we're in kindergarten, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Avery, how do you think leaders could reach your generation best to share their message with you guys in a way that's really heard? Right. I think nowadays more than ever, we're focusing less on the company and more of the people inside it and the culture that they produce. So I actually asked in my research, what attracts you most to a said company? And only 8% of my peers said that um, they would choose a company because it's renowned. So the rest of them answered either the company culture or the people inside of it attracts them to working at a company, which I think is so, so cool. So that being said, I think that a lot of, or actually I know, I mean, I found Sam through LinkedIn. Yeah. A lot of leader, a lot of my peers find leaders on LinkedIn. In a way, I think leaders can do that is by taking a stance on something, make an inspiring post, write about something that's close to you. It, doesn't necessarily have to be directly related to that business. Like I said, we really do crave that human interaction and that vulnerability. And by really putting yourself out there is an awesome way to reach our generation. 
I love that. Mark and I went to South by last year, and Brene Brown was one of the keynote speakers. Love and her. oh, me too. She's so fabulous. And she had said, "It's no longer about what you do; it's about who you are." And it was probably one of the biggest aha moments in my professional career. And we brought it back to MA immediately, and we just said, "You know, in the capacity of what we do, if we're an architecture firm, we better do good architecture. We better." do great design, you know, but who are we as people, you know, and we really, really started to focus on our corporate and social responsibility. We really started to focus on internal communications and our employee engagement, job satisfaction and fulfillment. You know, um, it's funny. A lot of people are like, oh, put a foosball table up there and everyone will be happy. But <laughs> it's so much deeper than that. You know, it's, it's listening. It's being available. It's making people feel heard. You know, that's really company culture. Um, and it's so interesting because I feel like that shift really made our culture more sophisticated and also redefined who we became as we really elevated our brand and it wasn't only in what we do it was so much more important about who we are so Absolutely. it's exciting to think that that's something that is attractive to the gen z's of the world and the generations to come yeah i mean you know we talk about uh, voi versus roi so value of investment versus return on investment and so I'm sure that some of our listeners are going, okay, so what am I going to get out of this? Well, you know, just to give you another stat, because I love a stat, yes. <laughs> is, you know, employees who are happier and more engaged are actually 10 to 12% more productive. Wow. And so if you think about it, if our youngest generation is coming and they want to align with our values and they find a company that values align with theirs, they're going to be happier there, which means they might be more productive. If they have a mentor, they're going to be staying there longer, which means they don't have to like onboard a new employee. So I think it all makes sense when we're thinking about what the future of the workforce wants to be and how leaders can engage with that generation too. That's incredible too because if you think of that 10 to 12% productivity from a bottom line perspective, you know, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of capital that you're increasing. And I think that Mark and I talk a lot about how ROI is very outdated and now progressive companies are adapting VOI, which is value on investment. And I think that what you're saying is completely aligned with that. And especially because return on investment is oftentimes, you know, tied back to metrics and KPIs and things like that where you could very easily say, well, you know, we put this amount of money into here and it came in dividends here. VOI is sometimes harder to say, you know, we really placed this value and this is where we've seen, you know, advantageous things come from it. But I think when you say 10 to 12% increase in productivity, there you go. Like it really can still be tied back to the bottom line and you can be progressive and you can think beyond taking your employees and turning them into a statistic and treating them like humans and having that be what pays off. So such interesting things to think about. So keeping on this workforce topic, one thing that we talk about in-house when we're thinking about the designs we're doing for our clients is that there can sometimes be a gap of what is uh, taught in higher education institutes about what they teach you to expect versus what you actually need when you enter in the workplace. So beyond mentorship, Avery, what do you think some of your generation might not be prepared for when they enter the workplace? This is a great question because right now my schedule has been different, more different than ever. Um, I have one class in person. The rest are asynchronous, which means I can log on and do them at any time of the day. So for me, sometimes I get all of my homework done Monday through Wednesday, and that leaves Thursday and Friday. But that's really different than the work world. It's different than yeah. the real mm -hmm. world. You are most likely, depending on what your job is, working Monday through fri Friday. If your hours are flexible, that's up in the air. But it's different because you can sit down at school right now and be like, okay, I'm going to crank it out for three hours and then I'm not going to look at that. But meanwhile, in the work world, somebody can ping you or email you yeah. on a Friday mm -hmm. when you're used to not working at all on Friday. Be like, hey, what do you think about this? I need this done. So I think that is going to be a huge gap in between graduating college and then getting into the workforce. 
But I think that's where you talked about it earlier, like leadership having a good communication style and plan can help solve for that if that becomes an issue with, uh, you know, a leader and a new Gen Z employee. They just have to talk about it. They have to work it out between the two of them versus just having a set expectation. Absolutely. And I'm curious. I know Mark has shared a lot with me about this idea of a desynchronized society. And I'm curious if that cultural shift beyond just a generational shift will start to really impact all of our lives collectively, because this desynchronized society concept is that there is no more nine to five. And especially you could see that during the pandemic when we were at home all the time, because a lot of people with kids, you know, maybe they're working from six to eight and then their kids are up and then they're working from 12 to two and then they're working from seven to 10, you know. Um, But so without this nine to five where you eat breakfast at eight, you eat dinner at six, what does the world look like? You know, and you think about retail, for example, during the week, they're typically less staffed than they are on the weekends. Okay, but what if now with the desynchronized society, you know, when you're talking about asynchronous scheduling and things like this, if this starts to shift into a more cultural shift, not just a temporary way of life, then what does that mean for how we even go to the BMV or something, you know, when there's always those peak 24-7 living, basically. Right, right. It's really interesting to think about and how work places can start to think about that now. I think MA is really good about flex hours and very accommodating, but to your point is a lot of honesty, communication, and setting expectations. Um, Because to your point, Avery, it is interesting to think in college, no doubt the workload is very much real. You know what's assigned on Monday that must be completed by the following Monday. In the workforce, you start on Monday thinking, here's what I'm going to do this week. And then there are, you know, 27 pings by Friday, you know, and people are pulling you in different directions. So just blending those two worlds together in a way that serves everyone and still gets the job done while maintaining, you know, health and that balance. So it's such an interesting thing to start thinking about now because no doubt it is the way of the future. It is neat. And talking about how workplaces are beginning to get more fluid and less rigid with hours, it's really interesting. This made me think about it. A lot of these assignments we're tasked with in school are very rigid. There's a rubric and there's strict guidelines on exactly what you need to follow, but you're thrown into work and they're like, okay, well, show us what you got. Um, Put your creativity into it. And I don't think school prepares us well enough Mm -hmm. for that creativity aspect because there are such, like, there is rules that you have to follow. It is very rigid. And I'm interested to see how schools might adapt to that because of how creative the workplace is today. So taking all of this into mind, how do you and your peers actually want to work? Like, what does the physical space look like? Is it, uh, do you have your own desk? Is it at a coffee shop? You know, the millennials love Starbucks and using that for their workplace. Um, Or do we actually need a ping pong table in our office to, to attract you? Great question, because when I asked my peers, if you could create your own business, what is one design or architecture piece that you would love to put inside your physical office building? 55% of my peers said that they love silence in an organized setting. So that being said, that would look something like a library, which I think is interesting, interesting because you see a lot of people in the Starbucks or in the coffee shops or in these noisy settings, but it turns out a lot of my peers actually really love that quiet place in very structured setting. Interesting. Right? And then what would the other preferences be? The other preferences... 22% 22% said that they love background noise, so they do like the coffee shops. Interesting. <laughs> yes. Um, also, another thing that people said that they would love inside a physical office space is places to stand up and work, which huh. I thought was really Standing. interesting. Yes. Yeah. Well, I can uh, help you out there. We do have stand-up desks uh, here that we can use. So, um, is it, But I guess is it the physical aspect of like being able to stand up and exercise or just not sitting down all day? 
They said standing desks in areas of designated work versus break spaces were most important to them. So it could be a combination of both. Well, it sounds like choice too. Yeah. You know, you know, we love our three C's. Oh, so much. Choice, <laughs> comfort, and control. Right. So it just sounds like another ability for them to be able to choose how they want to work depending on what their workload looks like. Okay, so Avery, I know we prefaced earlier that you had administered a survey to quite a, a wide population at Ohio State of your generation. And I'm curious, um, I know one of the questions you asked is what they would want business leaders to know. So if they had the opportunity to say one message really quickly, it's almost like they, they sent them into the podcast so we can share them with you guys now. Can you share a few of them, maybe your favorites with us right now? Yes. Gen Z, it's time to shine. Yes. Um, one of my peers said that they are extremely hardworking, but they think sometimes we need to slap on the wrist. Our lives are quote unquote much easier than any generation, so we don't need to have this. We don't have the same grit and discipline that a lot of older people have sometimes. Interesting, especially after we think about all the things that they've gone through, and even this, you know, rise of future debt that this generation is really experiencing, and most emotional exhaustion, and even social media hurdles that no generation before has ever had to experience, and for them to think that they have it easy. That is resiliency, my friend. Well, I mean, it goes back to the uh, leadership mentality of I have to be at my desk nine to five in order to seem like I'm actually being productive. Yeah, too. Just I would that, bet. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Yes. Keep it coming. Another one, quote unquote, I'm so damn tired all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, another one, it says, we are excited to get to work and make an impact, but we want to feel like we're valued by the company we work for. Exclamation mark. Mm. Ooh. Yep. Love it. Mm-hmm. Another one is, we're attracted to simple interior that is pleasing to the eye, big spaces to study, and lots of accessible food options slash coffee. A necessity. Love it. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm just going to say we're going to put in a coffee counter, standing desks, Ooh. and we're good to go. Love it. Good to go. Um, the last one that I'll share is we are not all unmotivated and we have huge dreams. I so believe it. I think it's so incredible. If you think about it, even with social media alone as a tool for Generation Z, the March for Our Lives protest in 2018 where 800,000 people descended on the Washington, D.C. stairs to protest gun violence, it came from a hashtag. And I don't think people realize that, but it was started by students in Florida, and it was the first time the power of Gen Z was acknowledged by the masses. And using social media for social change and really using it as a platform to gather people around making actionable steps towards a better future. And this type of action has only continued becoming a source of fulfillment for them. I think it's been so evident in 2020 how many ways that they've showed up, like we said earlier, even to vote or to peacefully protest or whatever that looks like to them, whatever's honoring their truth and really showing up for what they believe in is right. It's so powerful. Yeah, I think uh, there's a, a local furniture group, the the Duplers, and one of the things that they do that I love is they actually find out from their younger employees like what their hopes and dreams are. And they use that to make sure that they're giving them mentorship and guidance so that they can hit those goals and dreams. And I think that's something powerful that we should all shoot to do going forward. And speaking of going forward, we're coming to the close of our show. So we're going to ask you our very last question, Avery. Okay. And it's one that's always near and dear to my heart. So as a certified futurist, I'm always looking for the signals and drivers of change of what's coming down the pike that could affect us even 10 years from now. So as you look for things that are happening that are different, um, what are the signals and drivers of change that is going to shape Generation Z going forward? So something that is 
so important to my generation right now is social media. I feel like most people my age have it. And something that is so important to me right now that's a huge driver and totally dictating how we think is what is posted on social media and differentiating what is real and what is fake. It's interesting because social media can, in a sense, be like a Wikipedia. Anybody can go on there and put anything that they want, and people can be really misinformed and misled. But then also, like Sam said, that there can be amazing hashtags that um, lead people to go do amazing things and speak their truth. But I think that that is going to be a huge driver for people is to figure out what that truth is and I mean, if you've seen The Social Dilemma, you know, it's it's so interesting what is being put into our brains and what, you know, these really huge technology companies want us to think. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I love that you acknowledge that, that the credibility of the source matters just as much as the content. So I much. think, throw no shade, but a lot of people eat like one salad and they think they're a fitness influencer right. and they're like let me tell you how to lose weight and you need to do this and you know just from a health perspective that's not true for everybody right and I think very similarly everyone thinks a lot of influencers think they're psychologists you know and that's a degree I mean that's training and it's you know it's it's wonderful to try and motivate each other and be positive and be supportive but to then try to give out medical advice in any capacity when you're not a trained professional that can be very dangerous so I think you know it's it's wonderful that you're acknowledging that and you're at least crediting that credibility and source is is really important Yep, there's our next foresight project. What's the future of social media? (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Avery, for being here and for sharing your innovative insights. These are really the innovations that can help our listeners find inspiration in their own lives to be thinking ahead and to create change. We hope to hear more about these innovations in the days, weeks, and months to come. If you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at www.ma-architects.com where we have an entire COVID toolbox up and running that covers the wide variety of sectors we serve. And if you want to continue the conversation, feel free to email me directly at markb at ma-architects.com. If you like what you heard, please make sure you go over to our podcast, subscribe, like, review, so that we can let you know what the latest innovations are going to be and trends from three to five years ahead. Once again, I'm one of your hosts for Make It Innovative, Mark Bryan. And I'm Sam Moeller. I hope you can find the change you want to be to allow innovation to thrive in the way you live. Thanks, Avery, for being here with us. Thanks, Avery. You're amazing. I'm so excited about Gen Z. Have a great day and make it innovative.